Do you suffer from fatigue? Lack of focus? Is your floor covered with dirty clothes, crinkled candy wrappers and empty cans of Fosters? If your answer is yes to any of these questions, then Turbo Dust is for you. Turbo Dust is a revolutionary new wellness dust that provides a smooth, sustained increase in wakefulness, cognition and motor function. Our patented dust technology is administered through the sinus, delivering turbo dust to the bloodstream, producing the euphoric feeling of inspiration. There's no finer dust available today, and our dust is made from 100% organic, all-natural dust, so you can be sure that you're getting the absolute dustiest dust the world has to offer. Turbo Dust. It's dust. Dust. Side effects may include dust lung, dusty stools and dust ache. Brought to you by Chalk Dinosaur. Paid for by the Dust Council of Dust Affairs. Good afternoon. Welcome to episode 10 of the Chalk Dinosaur podcast. On today's episode, I've got a guest by the name of Sean Howard. I met Sean back in 2016 at a festival called Farm Jam Alama. You've probably heard all about it. You might have even listened to the album that that festival inspired, entitled Chalk Dinosaur and Friends. Sean ran sound and uh, assisted with lights, just all the production stuff at the festival. And um, I've gotten to see him in his band, the Sean Howard Orchestra, perform at Farm Jam. And uh, I've also run into Sean uh, numerous other times at different musical events. And uh, he's a, he, I was interested in hearing about his live sound uh, background, uh, doing live sound at shows, doing lights, doing um, doing uh, that stuff. Uh, also curious about this studio that he's he's working on. He's he's got a space and uh, he's building out a studio. And um, yeah, just here to talk to him about everything he does and everything he's done, and uh, just talk about music and uh, all that stuff. So uh, yeah, here he is, Sean Howard. This is Sean Howard. Uh, he's guest. This is episode ten, and uh, ten. yeah, <laughs> here in Noel, Noel, PA, Noel, PA, uh, at a studio project that he's building. I'm gonna stop talking to the camera now. <laughs> <laughs> I had some kind of intro later, but um, yeah. So for the people that don't know you, um, maybe. Well, I'll say you know I I know Sean from Farm Jam, Farm Jam Lama. Uh, he's doing sound and he's done sound at a few other events. So, uh, yeah. How'd you get, how'd you get started doing live, live sound? Uh, let's see. I'd say everything started back around 2007 ish, um, with the Brown hotel in Indiana, PA. Um, I was offered a good job by my uncle to come down and work door. And, uh, he was like, you have to get here in like a half hour. So I was like, fine. Yeah. sounds awesome. So I come down and get the job working door at the Brown Hotel and um, Glenn Struther and Clinton Clegg are playing acoustic. Um, Glenn Struther's with Glenn Struther Project and Clinton Clegg now Common Heart. Um, then they were known as a band called Jazam, which um, I think was a big inspiration in a lot of people in my music family circuit um, to get to where we are today. So during those days, um, they inspired me to learn the business. And uh, over time, I ended up taking over a festival that was originally called Waterfall Jam then was known as Party in the Hills, which I took into my own version of Party on the Stone. So the first event that I ran, that I worked at all, was a festival called Party on the Stone. And um, 
the second year of that festival, the Gallier family from Farm Jam Alama came to that festival, and that's where the combination came of, oh, I would say, us and Farm Jam. Nice. Um, and then two years into Farm Jam, I was working with John Riley, who was the drummer of Jazam with Kevin Gallier, um, running sound just on the fly, kind of in our own way. And from there, it progressed into what I'm doing today. Wow. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> I didn't realize what the connections were there. Yeah. It's been uh, about almost 12 years. Cool. So how did you, were you, were you like apprenticing under like the guy at the Brown Hotel? Did he, is he the one that, uh, where you kind of learned how to do that stuff? Or nah, was... the Brown was more just the start. Um, yeah. it, you know, it's a dive, it was a dive bar, but it was very known for live music. But it was at that time, it was a venue where you would bring in your own PA so all the bands were running their own sound, you know, and I would, yeah. you know, hey, what's going on, you know, and like trying mm-hmm. to watch things. Um, but I'd say the beginning time of the Brown, I was more of just an observer and, and taking things on, watching different sound guys come in and do different things for different bands. Yeah. Um, when it got into Farm Jam Alama, that's when I was really getting under the apprenticeship, I'd say, with John Riley, where he was showing me what we were doing. Yeah. Even though we were all kind of like, we were our own little military, you know, like we were all, none of us really knew. John knew what he was doing with Live Sound for sure. But on that scale, like me and Kevin were just following him all the time. Yeah. And then from there, I started getting more comfortable with running my own board and, um, um, nice. When Jazam actually, when Jazam got done, they started a band called Digital, and they brought me on as a production assistant. Um, kind of a member of the band, but doing sound and lights. You know, oh, so nice, during yeah. that time is where I really started getting into it. And um, we might as well just keep going on the timeline from there. Ben Penagar <laughs> with uh, the Rex, he brought me on as an assistant to the whole venue and for Gray Area Productions. I didn't know that. And then um, I guess my first professional live sound was uh, was an event at the Rex Theater. You know. Oh, nice. Yeah, and it just kept going from there. Interesting. So how long were you at the Rex? Uh, I worked for Ben and those guys, Scott, for I think two years, two or three years, and then I still come in there, you know, time to time, helping yeah. out and stuff. But, what years um, was that? Oh. Uh, 2012-ish, maybe. It was, okay, you know, so that was like way before I remember Chandler <laughs> and Shorty did their, had the first sellout. So whatever sellout for the Rex, whatever year that was, it was, oh, it was that year. <laughs> nice. That's cool. So what'd you do, uh, what'd you do this summer? Uh, this summer is, uh, so right now I would say it's, it's, what I'm doing is, is freelance sound work. But I go under a label of Soundbar Productions. Okay. But I but I represent companies like Lazy Ass Productions, which runs Glades Festival Ground, Farm Jam Alama. Uh, I did Garefest. Um, I've done my own weddings. You know, this this summer was the second summer in a row that I worked every weekend from May until October. Oh wow! Just events. Just events. It went because anywhere from like I said, a wedding, doing a festival. Um, I did two corporate events for Joe Bad. Um, did one at the Ace Hotel and then one in Deep Creek. You cool. Know, so, so the summertime, I mean, it's it's you, you know how it is. You start the, you start the summer and you you're just yeah. like here we go. But <laughs> yeah. uh, but that is but, the feeling I got this year. Yeah, and you just and you just roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for those kind of things, are you bringing PA? Or are you coming into? I guess I know with Farm Jam, you're you're coming in with. Well, I'm not sure what you bring to each event, but. Farm Jam has its own built-in rig. Um, they, they they do the quadraphonic sound, which is something that's different than a lot of venues. Um, yeah. Most festivals, you do bring your own you bring your own speakers, you bring your own PA, you bring your own board, mics, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, Farm Jam kind of has a different mentality, I think, with sound, where they, it's it's like a listening environment. It's a listening More environment. Like a- I love that environment. Yeah. Uh, we get a lot of complaints that, that you don't get monitors. But the way the, the venue set up in the barn, the, the monitors are the mains. You know? Yeah. So it's, so 
I mean, there's a fun rule that you, you can't bring any speakers to Farm Jam because Kevin has what he wants there. So we build off that. You yeah. Know, like I'll, I'll bring, um, I run a Allen & Heath Q32 digital mixing system, um, digital board. I'll bring that, you know, and I'll supplement mics and mic stands and cables and things like that. Yeah. You know. uh, so, yeah, how does that work with feedback? I guess that's where it comes into knowing how to run a sound system when the speakers are that close to microphones. Yeah, because, you, know? you know, they're, you know... I know that if speakers pointed at the mic, that's that's dangerous, or you know, that's has a higher chance for feedback. But I've never, it's never seemed to be a problem. Yeah. Well, we we set the system up into four mixes basically. And so if we have say, you know, say you're coming into the barn and you're looking out that way from the drum riser, and you're on the on stage left side, and there's a speaker right in front of you, you know, you got to keep that down when they're not singing, you know, or, or like oh, be okay. very be very aware of what's going on. Oh wow. Or run it at more of a low low gain, you know, but more yeah. of a volume. So that's you know, it's kind of like a water faucet. If you have a whole bunch of water coming in, you just let a little bit of it out, it's going to come gushing out. Yeah. You know, but if you have a smaller amount coming in, you know, and you open the faucet a whole lot more, it's going to be a you know. It won't be as much of a signal to that microphone. Yeah. You know, it's, it's been 10 years of science of really trying to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's definitely unique. It's a really cool... Uh, yeah, just, I, I love the way it sounds there. My favorite spot's by that subwoofer in the back um, by the couch, like right behind the drum riser. That's like my favorite spot to be because you're, you're getting all the highs, uh, but they're not like directly... Um, you know, it's never like painful or anything. Yeah, but it's loud and you can hear it, and then you got like all that thump from that giant stack that they have back there now. That's two years in a row now. Um, it's Im Impact Audio has provided those subs to us. Yeah. Um, two pairs of of pairs. So basically, it's two subs, but a subwoofer is considered two a pair. Oh, so, okay. So if you say you have a sub and you only have one eighteen, you actually have half of a sub. You know, this is uh, the assistant Brian Hemick from uh, Cosmic Colors. He's the one that's teaches me this kind of stuff with like more professional gear than you know the, with the growth of my of, of my career um but but those are 21 inch subs so it's basically four single 21 inch subs which is two 21 inch subs. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's pound you know yeah. you i'm on top of the hill <laughs> yeah the uh yeah that's like where i need to be for uh any band with a killer rhythm section yep starship <laughs> <I'm> there. <laughs> it's the rumble <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um yeah, what what was your connection like relationship with with Big B, Brian? Uh, Big B has been by far probably the top inspiration of all live production that I do. Um, when I was working with digital, that's when I was still learning how to do stage lighting, and um, I, I'm a big fan of stage lighting. I think what probably interests me the most out of everything with live production, just because the vis the visual of a show can change the entire feeling of a performance. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, we were doing a CD release for digital at the Rex, and John Riley got a hold of Big B to come in and help us do some of the lighting because he had his own gear and like and he was part of a different scene that digital was trying to get into at that time you know with more like the um, edm and, and rave scene was where big b was where we were still in like the jazz funk scene you know but we wanted to combine those with what they were doing with digital so we brought big b on and um, our first show at the rex um you know he was we both had our own lighting controller so we were just getting to know each other and um, i'd be like go to all red now you know he'd be like hit the button and go to red and like we're just like feeding off each other and then um that's whenever right after that was party on the stone three i want to say where was that again? party on the stone was in rochester mills outside of iup okay so it was about, about 10 minutes north of iup towards punxsutawney and dubois and um after he ran he he brought his whole rig for our lighting 
for the for Party on the Stone, and then we started working together after that. Nice. I started working raids with them. We started getting gigs with bands, and then um, eventually we took on a project in Indiana called the Indiana Theater, um, and then we worked in there for a couple of years. And you know, he's he's Big B's starting to try to he's starting another phase of Cosmic Colors now with the whole professional lighting rig that he purchased. Um, if you were at Farm Jam last, I know you were, but if yeah. anybody listening was at Farm Jam last year. Um, that was his new rig. It's like, you know, it's, nice. it's, he's, there's going to be a lot coming from Big B. Yeah. You know? And he lives in Washington now? He's in the state of Washington. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, uh, Big B brings a different element to, to what live music musicians think sometimes I think, you know, like when you, when you are in a band and you're trying to get gigs and you're trying to get booked, you, you kind of just sell yourself, you know, you sell the band. You're like, this, this is what we're going to come in and do. And what, what he's trying to do now is to, to like change that with mentality of bands is where like they need to come in with sound and come in with lights. Yeah. You know, even if like they're, they need lights all together, like the venue doesn't have any lights at all that should come from the band, you know, teamed up with Big B, you know, or if, even if they have lights and they have an engineer, like bringing, being able to come in and plug into the lights because the engineer will know the band, you know? So like, he'll be able to know when to do the changes and like yeah. how to make it more, the emotion of it more real almost, you know what I mean? And like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I've, I've, I've had a few conversations with him about that and, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great, great. That's like such a more professional <laughs> approach yeah. than like, uh, the general mentality of how I've been approaching, which is like, whatever's there, like that's what we got. And like, yeah, well, no one thinks about it. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. you, you, it's not something that you would normally think about on your own. And like, I think, you know, I've been kind of coming on as a, a booking agent or like a, you know, an assistant for Cosmic Colors because what Big Bead brings to the table is just, I think, one of the most important elements of a show. You know, and that, yeah. that's what I've learned from Big Bead. Sound you know, and lights, yeah, yeah. Just creating the whole, whole package, just elevating the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that that's awesome. I I enjoy talking to him every year at Farm Jam. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, what, do you know what his, uh, what his plan is with, with that company? Yeah. I mean, um, like right now I, th I think he's trying to find different acts to work with, with the band, you know what I mean? And like looking for bands to come on to hire him at, or the company Cosmic Colors yeah. to be part of that scene. You know what I mean? So that like kind of how I said it at first, you know, like when you, when you do get gigs, it, it, Working with a company like Cosmic Colors or, or something like that will help you get better gigs. You know what I mean? You have production. You yeah. have production. You know, and and you're gonna show and you're gonna help the venue as well as the band, as well as the fans. You know, so yeah. I think I think right now like Big B's in a in a space where he wants he wants to get more um, exposure on what it is that he's trying to do. You know, and like yeah. And and work work off what I was just talking about. Yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to call him up again. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about possibly doing something, you know, on the you know out where he lives, and um, but you know we we talked on the phone about it and then uh, just hasn't hasn't come up again. Yeah, just well. busy with other stuff and never never kind of. I would be lying if I didn't if I would say we weren't talking about you before this podcast. So. <laughs> um. And everybody, you know, I think, I think, I think, you know, the, the thing about what he's trying to do is, is to be able to be affordable for up and coming acts too. You know what I mean? That's like, something to not just be, you know, like his rig, I mean, he could charge an arm and a leg for it, you know yeah. what I mean? But he wants to be available for, you know, I don't want to use the term the little guys, you know, but like the ones oh, yeah, that, that's probably one of the main reasons why people don't even consider that. Cause they don't, you know, they feel like they're on tight enough budget, you know, 
not making enough but you know after talking to him he's like well if you have production you, know, you can charge more for a show and and also made it clear you know like for bands or artists that i'd like um you know i just want to come out even early on like i don't uh you know i don't have any problem w with that um but he was really interested in yeah working with an artist knowing their songs and being able to react yeah. you know yeah because you know if that it's a great idea of having the uh, sound and lights, you know, being in in the band. Yeah. So they they know what's what's happening and they can enhance the mood and the sound, make sure everything that yeah. needs to be heard can be heard. And I mean, I think to find somebody like Big B and you know, like like you know, us as a duo, for example, you know, with like me as sound and him as lights, he, he's willing to be on the building block of it. You know, so like you know, yeah. you can't have an expectation to run out of the gate. And just be on top of the game, making all this money, getting all the exposure that you think you deserve. I mean, it's a building process, you know. Yeah. And it's like it takes years to like really get a, a good project going off the, off the ground. Yeah. You know, it, it's rare to find somebody like Big B that would that's willing to stay affordable in the beginning. But he also like I think the expectation this should go with the whole industry is that everyone's going to jump on board and do everything they can to build it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and look long term yeah. sometimes. Right. Yeah. He's, he's passionate about the, uh, the artistry of it and just building it up. Cause yeah, like if he's got that kind of equipment, yeah, I'm sure he could, he could, uh, make, make more money doing corporate gigs or something like off the bat or something. Um, but yeah, being able to kind of work with an artist is, that's another level of, uh, you know, and, and all the, all the mega bands seem to have that. Yeah, they, they've found they've connected with somebody that likes what they're doing, and they like what they're doing, and and they, you know, they're they're just part of the the deal. Yeah, th then they go. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Check. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, all right. So that that that's your live sound stuff. What's your like? What's your uh, you have like a vision for what you want to do with with live sound, or I guess with music in general, because you do you know you do live sound, you play in the Sean Howard Orchestra, and you're you're working on the studio, so you got a couple yeah a couple avenues. Well, if anybody knows Sean Howard, they know that I always have way too much going on, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think that I think as I get older in the scene, I'm I'm starting to consolidate that and trying to figure out exactly which direction I do want to go. Yeah, it's hard, you know, but uh, you know the same thing. I, I do it every year, you know. I always think I have a plan, and then. It, like I said, I guess it'd be that May date, you know, and the summer starts yeah. and then it's just, you know, just kind of roll with it. You know what I mean? Um, I think, you know, I have a label of Soundbar Productions for my own thing. You know, I, I think eventually that will be the direction I go, you know, as, as far as like the retirement plan of what, what it is that I do. But right now I'm just, I'm just a part of so many different things that I'm, I'm still kind of open-minded and, and just kind of going with the flow with a lot yeah, of things. Yeah, just kind of, you know? yeah, seeing whatever kind of moves ahead in terms of your yeah. yeah what what kind of makes the most sense to put more time into yeah i'm, I'm really proud of the last couple of summers I, I was busy every weekend but everything that i did was was um fulfilling you know i was happy doing everything i was doing the last couple of summers that's good. you know yeah that's so. a big that's definitely a big deal because yeah i'm just not not um yeah being able to be a little more selective with what you do yeah and uh, I, th I think as of right now, you know, if, if I get, you know, get booked by everybody that booked me in the last couple of years, I think I would be happy doing that for a little while, you know. Yeah. But just make them better. Yeah. You know? um, 
looking at getting new gear. You know, there's, there's always the never ending want for new things. Yeah. You know? Black you know, Friday so coming right up. It's coming, you know? <laughs> so I, I think this, you know, this winter I, I, uh, I moved to Ohio Powell State Park and actually took a, qu- a kitchen job at Fall City Pub. And, um, it's a cool place. First time in like three or four years that I've, I've, I've done the full time job thing. You know, so I'm kind of taking a winter, just slowing down and resting and, you know, getting healthy and, you know, been mountain biking every day and stuff like that. And then get back into the summertime. And I think like once everything gets going in motion, you know, look at, look at next year. Yeah. You know? Okay. So you kind of, you work seasonally and then in the summers that you do all your audio stuff and then in the winter. So do you, are you still going to keep the kitchen job during summer? That's the plan. Yeah. They, okay. uh, last, I, I worked towards the end of the summer. I worked for the, for Fall City Pub and they gave me every weekend off. And um, we've been, you know, this winter, it was kind of the deals like, you know, if you give me the weekends off now, I'll work weekends over the summer, which is a great deal. They, uh, you know, I, I eat food and drink for free. I get paid pretty well. And they gave me a room in their guide house for a hundred bucks a month. Oh, damn. So I can walk to work <laughs> back and forth and I'm in a high up state park. It's like, the that's most, pretty, it's, that's awesome. it's a nice package, you know, <laughs> that's a, I'm always so curious about that. Like how are, how do people make ends meet that are, yeah. that are doing this kind of stuff? Uh, because that's a that's a big struggle yeah. for a, to figure it, out how to do that with the flexibility because the flexibility is so high in yeah value for people that are trying to do any kind of yeah music thing i think that's that's a big thing that you need to figure out you know and like that's kind of you know i've taken on you know after the brown hotel and indiana theater and a bunch of different projects i'm definitely a, you know i was not in a financial situation that was um sustainable you know and that's kind of why i had to take this job take a break and like start catching up and so that when the busy season does come again i'm not saying like oh man like i'm not ready you know you know yeah i think as you mature and get older in this industry you have to figure out how to do that you know everybody wants to be the full-time musician everybody wants to get out there and just do it all the time but you know unless you're selling cds or you got a sponsorship or you know or there's something that's coming in to solidify that income it's 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 nature that you have to figure that out you know yeah that is the big the big question. Yeah. So so right now it's kind of catching up and with all these options on the table. I mean, I might go and do a lot of stuff with Big B too. You know, it's like you kind of, you can't really decide what it is you're going to do. You have to go with the flow, you know, and as yeah. things develop, you, you, when you get opportunities in front of you, just make, make the right decision. Yeah. Know? Which everybody learns that as they go. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like, have you been to Big B's? I was there. So I'm going, I'm going back in December. Um, I'll, like probably three or four times I went out to see him out west now, um, but I go out every Christmas time. So we'll oh, we'll, nice. we'll ski Mount Baker on Christmas Day. That's awesome. Did it last year, yeah, I'll have to send you a picture of the three of us. You can put on your yeah. Head, it sounds know. uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he lives a a nice life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing you know, focus on the things he wants. Doing a lot of outdoor stuff. Pursuing passion projects. Yeah, married. Cool. <laughs> and yeah, doing that thing too. Yeah. Doing that thing. <laughs> Are you doing that thing? I'm not doing that thing. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I'm eligible, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, yeah, so what What about the... Uh, talk about Sean Howard Orchestra next. Yeah. Sean Howard Orchestra. What do you want to know about the Sean Howard Orchestra? <laughs> Start there. Tell me, tell, me, uh, tell me a little bit of the history of it. Sure. Uh, in the 2016, uh, me and Chris Moretti, uh, we were mutual friends at the Brown Hotel. And, um, you know, we, we had a lot of loss at the time. Like, we both lost a really good friend. Um, I lost some family, and we were kind of down and out. But before our friend Denise passed away, she uh, said that me and Chris Brady need to be making music together. 
So we, uh, me, him, and Travis Keir, which we're all, you know, Brown Hotel people, we were jamming a lot. And um, we got an opportunity from Pierce Murata with Gray Area to open up for Boyd Tinsley and Crystal Garden at uh, James Street. And, I mean, we were barely even playing. You know, we're still catching up and, like, just trying to figure some things out. Yeah. And I'm always a go-getter. So I was like, yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> and uh, that was our first big gig that got us to prep for what was to be known as the Sean Howard Orchestra. You know, I think we were calling ourselves uh, Disco Melon, you know, or different. We had a bunch of different names at the beginning. Yeah. And then um, uh, Bernie Worrell died. And then I was, I remember I was working a sound gig in Johnstown for the uh, f- Thunder in the Valley. I was doing one of the stages for Thunder in the Valley. And um, I immediately was like, we had Bernie Worrell at Indiana Theater twice. So he was a big inspiration. And um, I think at that time, I was like, you know, I think we need to name the band the Sean Howard Orchestra. You know, and Chris Meredith, was, he was all about it. There was never, like, animosity about there being a name on the project or anything like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it just it just flew, you know? Like, we all of a sudden, you know, fast forward to where we are now. You know, we've done probably 20 festivals. Um, we opened up for Andy Frasco twice. Oh, nice. Um, you know, we, we got to play the Thunderbird Cafe. We played the Roxian, you know? And we just, oh, yeah. The, the history yeah, wait, of it. what was that show? The Roxian. Uh, the Roxian was in... I remember oh, seeing that. I can't even remember now. Yeah. Um, Who was that with? Uh, we played with Sweet Earth and Habitat. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And it was really, it, we did, a, it was a really good gig, you know? And then, then we finished it up with Thunderbird. And right now we just, uh, everybody's kind of, we, we did a lot of gigs really fast. So uh, we just needed a little break, you know? So I think we're, oh, we're yeah. taking this winter now. I'm working with Glenn Strother to get some recordings done. And hopefully by, you know, um, Funky Fester, Farm Jam Alamo, we can record and release our first album. Nice. You know? I think that's the one thing that we did is we went really fast and never took the time to record that album. You know, so now... Yeah, it happens, now it happens to a lot of, a lot of bands that, that perform a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where we are now. Such a different mode. Uh, whenever we're playing a lot of shows, yeah, I'm totally focused on, on the sets and the live set, making sure everything's okay with that and not, not really uh, in a totally different world than writing and recording yeah it's it's a different it's a different aspect of it all you know and there's, that's that's you get a lot of uh i don't want to say insecurities but you're like oh, i don't like that oh, i don't like that or oh i gotta practice this better or, i gotta do that and then all of a sudden you're like well it's been a year yeah, yeah. <laughs> fast. so now you just kind of kind of got to sit down and just and put it down yeah you know? i think that's the mode i'm in right now are you what do you like doing more recording it or or playing it like the the show. To be honest, I guess playing it. I like playing it better. You know, like um, I get it. I get in my head a lot about my own music, and this, I think that's the personal growth I'm going through right now. Just having it, yeah. Just and then listening I, to it, and you get down to record it, and you listen to it, and you're just like, uh, get I don't those know. feelings of yeah, like you know, perfectionism, or per- like, is yeah. it good enough? Or like that, that's the rest like of the word, perfectionism. You yeah. know, and, and I, I battle with that a lot in everything that I do. Like and I think uh, if you see me on the field for live sound, you know, if there's one thing wrong. I'll sprint across the field to go fix it, you know. And I think I think it's a it's a blessing and a curse, you know. Like I yeah. I know I do everything as well as I can, you know. But sometimes you gotta not be the perfectionist and just kind of accept it, you know, and yep. and, and release some things, you know. And I think that's hundred percent. Yeah, that's and that's I've always thought that's how you get the most growth too is by yeah, not dwelling on one particular not obsessing over one thing for a really long time but instead moving on to another moving on to another project and then you know applying the things you learned from the first project yeah exactly i was thinking about this idea of like this idea of lines wait no this 
this like line of ideas that you have in your head and there's like a good one somewhere in there every so often, every couple ideas, but you know, you're not going to get to the good idea, like the really good idea, you know, unless you cycle through, you know, yeah. three more ideas and then you get to an idea that's some of those ideas, some of the, some ideas just come together really naturally and quickly. Yeah. Have you experienced that where like you might have a song come together really quickly? Definitely. We, uh, the last song, that, so, so the Sean Howard Orchestra with the history too has been kind of based on songs that I've written with other bands. You know, it was in, uh, it started with Sassafras Assassins during the Brown days and then, um, the Wiley Coyotes when I, my first run in Pittsburgh, and they were all based around these six songs that I wrote, but every project I put together evolves these songs to a whole different level. You know what I mean? But, um, the Sean Howard Orchestra before the Roxian, I you know actually happened in this room that we're talking in. I came up with a progression and um, ended up calling it Digital Nomad. So I, me and Chris worked on it for a couple of days, came up with a little idea, and then we brought the band together. It it was it was that feeling of just being completely natural, you know, like yeah. the, the um, Justin Benzino, he's a saxophone player at the time. He's like, "What if we try this?" You know, and then Jill Jill Marie, she's an acoustic guitar and vocalist. She's like, "What if we put bongos in the beginning?" You know what I mean? Yeah. And there was there wasn't any friction between any of us. Every time yeah. somebody said something, we implemented it, and it just came yeah. out to be one of the most beautiful songs. I think that I can say we wrote that I, yeah. that I didn't write. You know, like yeah, and, that's um, that's even more awesome when it happens when you're working with a group of people because you know i've had it happen individually uh where i'll have an idea for a song and then it kind of unfolds very naturally and almost like it writes itself yeah every so often you know you you come across one of those ideas but when you get to do it as a group um we had a couple songs like that on our the full band album um we did called sprout where we got together and it just you know after a night, you know, the whole thing was kind of arranged and then we kind of just tuned it from there. But, um, you know, it's not like that with every idea. Some ideas, uh, I feel like I really have to fight with and wrestle with to yeah. kind of mold it into something. And yeah. That's think, sometimes when you need to take, just, you know, take a minute, you know, yeah. and like listen to it and be like, okay, there's, if that friction's there, let it go, you know, yeah. like move on to something else, you know, it's or kind of, just, you know, be, be aware of that friction. Yeah. Just, you know. Like you're fighting against something that might be, you know, yeah. And if you, if you put it down and move on to something else, you'll, you'll eventually come across one of those projects that comes together easy. Yeah. You know, being, being in a band is, is, it, uh, it it can wreck you mentally sometimes, you know, like you're like, you can get so into it, you know, and it's something, I mean, you get so into it, you like overdwell or overthink on things, you know, or you could not work hard enough. You know, and then you like, then all of a sudden that's when that year thing comes up. You're like, okay, yeah. now I'm obviously not putting enough effort into this. Cause like that's, it's not friction. Now I just yeah. need to work harder. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to work really hard on this song, but I've been working on it for like six months and like, uh, haven't done anything else <laughs> yeah. or something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a balance there between, yeah, putting, putting the appropriate amount of effort into something and, and overthinking it. Yeah. That's, that's tough to. It's tough to balance. It's tougher for some people too. Like I know a lot of people that are really talented. They produce a lot of ideas, but they they are too perfectionistic to to finish them. Yeah. And therefore, nobody gets to enjoy their musicality. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't get to share it. Yeah. You know. It's uh. You know. I want. You know. I'm going through a thing right now. Kind of a, a, your first episode of this podcast. You listed like seven things that you want to like really focus on to fix. You know. And I think I. I've been. I did that for myself going into this winter. You know. Like a, yeah. the, the the core values of yourself. You know. Almost. And it's like now it's like music 
isn't supposed shouldn't be as stressful i think as I've, the musicality like making an album shouldn't be as stressful as i've made it for so long yeah you know true. now and you know so i think you know i'm working with uh glenn strother now um for glenn strother project and kind of gave him full rights of just being like I'll, you know i'm gonna work on my own but i'm gonna come over to your studio you know and we'll put down what we got ready you know and then walk away from it you know and then like just keep but make sure i keep adding stuff to it and then it moves forward you know? yeah like, that's our plan this winter nice so yeah. we'll see loser loser <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that it's the summer, that summer, crazy summer uh, season. I wonder how many other people that are involved in music have similar thoughts after that season's over. Like, I gotta straighten some things out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to like realign my life. <laughs> yeah, in a good way. You know, it's uh, yeah, in a great way. You know, being in the music industry, it's a grind, you know, and if anybody tells you otherwise, then. They need to tell us the secret on how it's not a grind, you know, but yeah. like, if you want to, if you want to be active and you want to be busy, you know, you're going to be traveling, you're going to be driving around a lot, you know, and you're going to be busy, you know, hectic, you know, yeah. and it's, that's kind of the part of the part of what it is. Yeah. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot more chaos than in a, a, a normal job yeah. where, where it's <laughs> the same, you know, well, there's, there's chaos in other jobs for sure, but you know, a lot of unexpected things and. Yeah, a lot of lot of yeah, a lot of moving around. It's not like you're going to the same place every day. But we do it for the love of music. I mean, like the the the, the joy and benefit of music, though, are the things that the surprises out of it. You yeah. know, like you, you it's, go to it's this, way different every event you go to. You're not going to be like, I know exactly how this night's going to go. You know, like yeah. and, and the emotions that you get off of it are worth it for that. You know. We use yeah. the, I think we're using the grind. They're like the terms of the work that go into this industry a little ne more negatively than we need to. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it is chaos and it's hard. You know, but like that's that's why it's just the the the, the pay, you know the the give and what take. it costs. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, ultimately, yeah, it's a uh, there's a fun the social aspect of music is really great too. I think uh, yeah, when you're playing events, you know, people are there. Everybody wants to have a good time. Uh, my entire social life now is constructed uh, around people I've met in music and people that I play with and work with and, and do stuff like that. People that are interested in the same things as me. And uh, yeah, consider, considering uh, all that, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good payoff. Yeah. I think too, you know, I think like hopefully like listen to this story too and, you know, and I, and, the support that the people give to the bands, I think, is is another reason why we stay in this industry too. You know, like I mean, we'll always say like we, the bands need more support. The bands need more support. But like when you go through a whole summer season and you go to all these different events and you see all the different people that are coming that don't know how to play instruments or do know how to play but still want to support their friends or whatever. I mean, that's that's mind blowing. You know, yeah. You you know, you go like Farm Jam for example. You see like a thousand people that are just coming to the same place every weekend, same time of the year, yeah. because they know that it's just going to be ran, um, you know, resurrecting almost, you know, or like, like yeah. rejuvenating is the word I was going for. It just like rejuvenates you every year, you know? Yeah. And that place is extra special. Just the, it has like, you know, the strongest sense of community, uh, out of any, well, yeah, it's just like, although now that I've been going to more of these smaller ones, which, uh, you know, like, Larry Palooza, Gearfest, um, they're all so tight-knit. You know, everybody 
is it just feels i just feel very much more connected to people there than at, at bonnaroo or something <laughs> right yeah well farm jam's been doing this for a long time and i think they've become the 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 standard of how people should treat people at a festival you know yeah. even from the venue down to the bands the bands to yeah. the people and how the people treat the bands for sure you know it's just there's, there's just all, all but family and love, I feel like, at Farm Jam. Yeah. You know, I, I can't say that's the only place you feel that, you know? Like, right. But, but they've just been doing it for so long on the same consistent level. Yeah. You know, it's just you get, everyone gets that feeling at Farm Jam, I think. And you, and you hope to feel it at other places. 100%. Yeah, that was one of, one of the, you know, I felt that very, very strongly. And, like, uh, obviously, after the first year I went, uh, yeah, it was amazing. It was just such a palpable feeling of uh yeah <laughs> and then you that. then you drink the chartreuse and you're like whoa <laughs> yeah i would love to talk to kevin or jody or both of them about farm jam and the origins of that that would be an interesting conversation yeah talk to him a little bit about it i left my boots at the at the barn last year oh no <laughs> man last year <laughs> Last year, I didn't sleep in my tent at all. No? in the barn, 100%. <laughs> it's the first year. It's not hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to make a habit out of it and abuse that, that, that option, but it was nice. I think it's kind of a first come, first serve. You know, if you're playing Farm Jam and there's a couch open, it's, 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 you have the right to it as much as anybody else does. <laughs> yeah, it was like... They hope you take it, actually. Oh, man. I was, uh, yeah, I was down there jamming late, and then I just passed out, and... Um, I woke up and was shaded, was not, not getting baked out of the sun. Yeah. I was like, this is nice. I like down here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be the same without a Starship next year, unless they play, unless they come back and play. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe they will. Benny's in LA now, correct? He's moving in March. In March. And I think yet. Chris Potter is too. Okay. And I think Spencer, the guitar player, is going a little bit later so i don't know what the what the plan is with starship but uh yeah i was talking to benny a little bit he he wants to do an episode and talk about stuff yeah he'd so. be good yeah he'd be a good guest yeah i saw him he's got a lot to talk about yeah <laughs> watching that band develop was something too you know it's like yeah you see they're good at like a good example of hard work you know like those guys got together and just slammed it you know and like they just went as did all the things you should do as a band you know and then you saw how how well known they were in the city you know yeah yeah and it's just such a they're all so talented in their in their individual rights and you know all the work they had to put in to get to that level individually but um yeah watching them is always like mind-blowing for yeah. me. it's like <laughs> honestly some of the best performances i i see anywhere like from any band and i think a lot of it has to do with my ability to watch them up close in the barn, which is unique to Farm Jam. Um, but yeah, that, that's always like a extremely inspiring slash discouraging performance. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think the thing uh, with Starship is, is, is their, the confidence they bring to the stage. You know, like, yeah. like they, they're not worried about what they're going to play. They, already, they know how they're going to play it, and then they play it better than I think they expected to whenever they yeah. play live. You know what I mean? This is crazy. You know, the way they move on stage, and I mean, Benny's, Benny's stage presence is just by far probably the best, you know, yeah. of bass players in the city. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's one of my favorites. I guess that's, yeah, 
I'm usually so, I, I have to very consciously try to not be thinking about stuff too much because <laughs> usually I'm just uh, in my own zone and like very much the opposite of, of the way Benny performs. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if I'm, if I'm jamming by myself, I'll do that kind of stuff and it'll be fun. Yeah. But I, I, I have not, I have yet to really access that that wild man <laughs> yeah, yeah <it's, laughs> inside i feel the same way <laughs> not that everybody needs to be that yeah uh, you know you don't but but uh you know sometimes i want to do that and i usually in a show i'm, I'm too focused on what i'm playing because partially because uh, you know i am probably not as well prepared and learned as some some you know once you have that confidence of like you know exactly what what you have to do you don't have to think about it as much you can yeah you could focus more on the experience. Yeah, this I had that the last time I played Thunderbird. Um, uh, Chris Murray wasn't available for the gig, so I, I ended up playing bass and singing for the whole set. Oh, whoa! And it was the first time that I sang a whole set while playing bass. You know? Oh so, man! So I was pretty anxious up to the gig, you know. But um, actually, I didn't even really—I guess I didn't know until the, the day before, for sure, hundred percent. And then um, did you get some practice time in. I just, I just did it, man. You know, and I think that's a, a time where you have to like just tell yourself like you got this, you know. And, and I played, I've played bass a bunch. Like I, I, I okay. I, I kind of prefer playing bass over guitar sometimes. So I you like, have I experience like... singing and playing bass. Not the singing part though. That was that okay. was the first time I sang while playing bass for the whole set. You know. Wait, do you usually sing? I usually sing, yeah. yeah. But I don't usually play bass. Yeah. Stuff, you know, and it's. You know, it's it's a rhythms different, are different. It's different, yeah. That would mess me up because singing and playing is one of those things that I I kind of have to like. If I'm doing anything other than, you know, very straight rhythm, uh, I I like I have to. That's <laughs> something I got to practice very slowly. And then once the connection gets made, then I can do it like without thinking. But like, if I just all, by surprise had to be like, uh, all right, you got to play drums and sing, and I'd be like. <laughs> that would not go well yeah for me. yeah well i didn't have a choice you know? I, know, yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a choice you know, I, guess I, I, I could probably i could probably adjust things to be simpler if i, if I had to but yeah i would that would be nerve-wracking yeah but went, it, you know i haven't really been doing much vocals anyway so yeah it went well it was um the first song we started with montana and i remember i, I jumped into the chorus too early in the middle of the second verse and i like just froze and i looked at jill and she's just like and like saying the line that we needed to sing, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's it." And then the rest of the set went pretty smooth, you know. But that's I, good. Sometimes if I make <laughs> if I make something an error like that, I either have two reactions when I make like a yeah mistake like that. I either start laughing and, and get back on track, and I don't yeah. It's either laughing or I'm like, "Oh shit," and then it kind of can like throw me off and like yeah. start to feel like anxiety about it. Yeah. <clears throat> but more lately. If I make an obvious mistake, uh, I usually just laugh. Just laugh it off, which is a good catch up. Yeah, a good uh, healthy reaction to have to mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I think there was you know you build up a lot up in your head whenever like Thunderbird just opened up. You know we we're the the show's still a newer band. You know so we wanted to do really well. Yeah. You know and then like in the first song you made that mistake normally like years ago I would have had anxiety about it. You know I'd be like oh man you know I'd be like shit why'd I do that you know or like get mad but. It, you know, through the growth of being a musician, all I had to do was look over at Jill, and then she just let you know. You get that look, you know, and you smile, and then you just jump back up to the microphone. And just yeah, keep going. You know. Yeah, and it's it's. it's at the end of the day, to, it's just a song. It's you know? yeah, and it's easy to forget that. You know, I know my songs very well. 
pretty much nobody listening is going to know the songs as well, and it's probably not going to, they'd have to be paying close attention to, to notice, and they'd have to know the songs really well to notice. Yeah. And, and it's like, that tiny one second is not going to be what somebody remembers. No, exactly. <laughs> remember if they had a good time. Yeah, and even if they know your set, you know, like the story of it is Sean's playing bass. He's never played bass and sang before. Yeah, right. Like, right. There's, like the, 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 if they there's, have that expectation for you to sing your songs perfect, then they should know you're not always playing the bass. So yeah. there's probably gonna be a blemish somewhere. True. There, there it was, and they'd probably like that more because they're like, okay, now the song's a little bit different than I normally heard yeah. it. Yeah. You know, and proper you know, respect none of us to are perfect Sean for, <laughs> for for having that versatility. Yeah. And, and trying it and going for it. Yeah, it was it was one of the most fun sets I think I played. Really? Yeah, it was a good time. Nice. Yeah, Thunderbird sounds nice on stage, or it did when when we played there. Yeah, it's such a solid stage. It's like big room, you know. Big room, but there's there's no resonance in the stage, which is nice. Like no bassy like boominess on stage. Yeah, which can be a little bit disorienting sometimes. I don't know if you've ever played on a stage and it sounds like the notes you're playing are out of tune, but it's some kind of psychoacoustic effect. Yeah. Have you ever had that? And uh, mm. i like, tune my guitar. I'd be like, no, my guitar's in tune. But like, or, or I'll play, I'll be playing a solo and I'll like play a little bit of it like a half step down and not notice for like four beats or something. I'd be like, oh no. Yeah. I always sound like shit out front. I think, you know, the biggest thing is I always try to make sure is the monitors, you know, like it's, it's, it's hard, you know, to, to get good monitors sometimes at venues, you know, like even on the best stages, you know, like it's either gets rushed or, or something like that. Yeah. You know, and I think if, if you have the monitors, that resonance kind of minim minimalizes itself. Yeah. You know? Just, but, um, have you ever, do you know anything about the, these personal monitoring systems? That's like, it's like a, a stage that goes in a box, plug the, the snake into the back of the box that goes to the front of house. And then on the other front, that's where you plug the mic inputs. And then there's these controllers that get like light piped out or something. They get connected mm -hmm. to that box and then each individual, you know, there might be four boxes and people can control their monitor mix for headphones that they're wearing. And it's not affecting what the front of the house is getting. I mean, I know like, like with the, like with the Q, for example, uh, the, the, you have an app called Q, Q mix or U mix or something like that. And you can control your own monitor mix, like with your own with your phone, with your iPad, or with something like that. Oh, okay. Um, but it, and I know they. I think you can get a box that's similar like that. But the Q, that's a Q. This is a Q. Yeah, Alan, Alan, Alan Q. Heath. Yeah, it's a digital mixer. He's looking at here. Is that what you? Is that what you bring to? I'll either bring this or I have the. It's it's bigger version. I have it out in the other room. But um, it, most events that I run, I don't use more than sixteen channels. Yeah. So I found lately that I can use the smaller board, which makes these like front of house easier setup. Yeah. But what's awesome about these boards is not only is it a live board, so I can run a live show with it. Um, I can run a USB to my DAW, which is digital audio workstation, and um, Logic is what I use, in, for example. And I can get all sixteen channels multi-tracked onto Logic. Yeah. Now it also has an external hard drive input, so I can hook up a hard drive to it and get. 16 18 tracks to that so i can do yeah. the 16 channels that i have for live plus if i want to do a monitor mix or if i want to do um a recording there yeah so i can are... record twice and do a live show with one console <laughs> that's that's amazing I yeah mean, the uh and it's got good pickups in it too so it's, it's you know it sounds real good multi-track multi-track recording that's that's so nice whenever, whenever i can get my hands on on that yeah um 
Yeah, that's that's great. Did you ever uh, listen to the Gearfest? Yeah. Video at all? I did, man. And it's like the thing, like I said about it, is like the pickups are good, you know. So like each track, it, 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 you can mix it really well. Yeah. You know, I mean, you gotta do your, you know, there's secondhand mixings and stuff like that, but you know, the, the quality you get back, I think, is pretty, pretty stellar. Yeah, it was it was great to work with. Yeah. I guess let's let's talk about. Uh, we're sitting in a. This used to be church. Oh, we didn't even talk about this yet. Yeah, we? yeah. This is a um, yeah. We are in a old church in Noel, PA. Um, we eventually got, or we, we got this in the beginning, you know, to make it a studio and a living environment. Um, it's it's an older building, so the living environment part's not too susceptible to what to, to living here now, which is probably why I ended up in a Hyopal. You know, like I said, not living here one night, I was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, Hyopal's only like 45 minutes down the road, so that worked out, you know. But um, this is a two-story big open space building with uh, one small studio we're sitting in now. Um, we have a large room out on the other side of the wall with uh, four monitor mixes, drum kit, keyboard. Um, we got lights hung up on the wall so you can light it up at nighttime to get more of a live show atmosphere. And then um, another smaller room, I guess Studio B, we'll call that one <laughs> Studio B, um, which will be better for winter time, you know, to keep it warm, that kind of thing. And then in the future, there's a basement that is another probably 400 square feet you yeah, know that's of, big down there yeah yeah like that middle middle control room uh <laughs> partition that's just naturally there yeah we're not we're not sure exactly the the longevity of what this project's going to be but it is a call out to people that are interested in uh if they want to get out of town and come track somewhere you know or just to come work on some ideas you know or just to get away from your normal space and have an, an all-nighter here to you know jam all night but the community is pretty open to what we're doing, and uh, you know, we originally wanted to call it the Shom, but I think we'll probably just continue with the church. You know, oh, the Shom, the, nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, how much experience do you have doing like renovation like this? Yeah, it's it's good, and you know, myself personally, when, when we were doing the digital project, we took over a church in McKee's Rocks. And we put a whole lot of work into that to find after a year, you know, it was just the, the we would never be able to catch up to the, to the building. You know, it's just too much work. Um, here, it's, it, you know, the renovations that it needs is, is more just like, you know, some wall patching, you know, and, and like, uh, you know, water, running water lines and stuff like that. That it, But I would say with a team that we'd be able to do, you know, but like, I'm not going to say I'm the professional construction remodelist you know of this yeah like but, how much um, you have to learn as you go with something like this yeah it's pretty much all of it you yeah know, you know and um you know fundraising and like understanding how to keep it affordable you know i think that's our biggest thing right now is is the project worth it versus the the debt that it could create yeah you know? and that's I guess that's with any project, really, but it's what right. we're going through right now. But in its form at the moment, you know, it, it's workable. You know, like, yeah. with, you know, we have all the snakes ran and like all the mics ran and everything that yeah. you can do. A, you could do a multi-track run, you know, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, I've often thought about you can about... Give, you can give a review of the place, you know, afterwards, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, I've, I've thought about, like, hmm, what if I just had a space, like, kind of like this, where it's like very uh, basic. It's just like roof, walls, like electricity um just like a place just purely for for music yeah um yeah that's definitely something I, i'm always thinking about at some point in the future have have 
have some kind of recording space slash living space. Yeah, and I think that's what that's what this project is right now. It's 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 pretty affordable for what is the potential of the project. But yeah, just saying, you know, um, I'm interested to see what the interest level will be for a project like this. Yeah. You know, like the home studios and studios are everywhere now. You know, so it's, it's you know, yeah, with that big room in there. Um, I mean, if a band wanted to do like a live performance video, I think that would be there's a lot of room in there to work with. Yeah. And uh, you could have it all mixed and, you know, if someone wanted some kind of premium video content <laughs> uh, uh, with uh, audio and, and sound and stuff, good sound. And that's like, uh, I that's think that's what, the, that's what I'm seeing in that. It's the vision. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it's going to be available for anything, you know, like if, if yeah. you, even if a singer songwriter wants to come down to do an acoustic track, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's big enough space. It's not that bouncy. You know, you can get a, you can get a good mix out of it. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah, if you but wanna... it's, you never know. So, how far are you into the? You said two years. You guys had the space. This will be. Uh, it's uh, actually this space just a year. It's been about a year that we've been here. I think we came in last last winter. You know. Would you so have for, to... for a year? It's not bad. But... Yeah. Anything you had to do immediately when you got here? Four truckloads of of trash removal. Oh. Um, there was. Kids, I think kids were doing graffiti inside, so it was, we had, you know, secure the building and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I think it was abandoned for a while. But, um, you know, after the after the trash was out, it was just scrubbing and, you know, getting it to a point where it's, you know, the, it's cleaning it up. To, able to be in here. You yeah. Know? You know, and I think we've done a good job with of, of that so far. Yeah. You know. Got so. it. Got it. How long did it take you to get to like a workable environment where you could uh, record? I'd probably say probably not too long, about a month and a half. You know, yeah. I mean, we got everything moved out and then, um, then we kind of moved in first in a living way, you know, but it, you know, the, the position I have it now, so we have a separate control room, which is the room we're in now, you know, and then we snaked it through the wall and like, and everything in the other room is, is all set up multi-track. But, it, you know, I just got to that point a couple months ago, you know, cause we had, it was just constantly moving things and like getting everything organized and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, uh, that must be a big job. Just getting, just getting the, the stuff out. Yeah, four truckloads. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we we, uh, my parents moved, um, sold our my childhood house, and getting I didn't really realize I had as much stuff as I did there, yeah. and and neither did my mom. So I was uh, even just that was like a lot of stuff. I can only imagine. You know, and that it's, it's, I guess it's a little different when it's not personal stuff that you've got to get rid of. Yeah. It's, it's easier to discard it that way. You yeah. Know? But, um, then, then you go through the moving things around part and then you bring your own <laughs> stuff in. You're like, well, I don't like it here. I like it over yeah. there. I don't like it there. I like it over <laughs> here, you know? And then, yeah, um, it's fun setting up a new space. Yeah. I always like it. Um, but yeah, there's uh does require a lot of moving and lifting and stuff like that. Commitment, you know, and just like. I think the biggest thing of the, you know this this type of project is do I want to continue with it or do I not want to continue with it you know and I'm, I'm not, I'd be I'd be not telling the truth if I'd say I'm not still in that position you know yeah. like when you, in, anytime you're in a business um, endeavor you know like how long can you continue doing it you know but I think uh, where we're at right now it's it's worth it to get the word out that this space is available and like you know you came down to check it out today you know I'm glad we're doing this podcast yeah, here good to you know see this it. is this is a a good project to start here yeah you know and then you know let's get the word of mouth out there and see how it goes yeah you, know? you have a 
Yeah, how could people find out about it if they just contact you directly? Right now, I haven't, I haven't put too much out there. Yeah. You know? it's, and so they can't. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> we haven't really done anything yet. But um, I think over this, you know, we'll probably keep doing some more work over the winter. Uh-huh. We got to see how, what, the, what, the, what it's going to be like in here um, temperature wise. Yeah. You know? And like if it's going to be too cold over the winter, I don't want to get a, I don't want to set things up for the wintertime yeah. and then have to shut down, you know? Right. But, um, so, kind of, yeah, kind of just getting operations. Uh, going a little bit more yeah and then yeah get the get the word out we're talking about making a facebook page you know and, and doing a little more of the commercial thing going with like soundbar studios you know and then just offering a few different packages or something like that or keeping it open-ended like what do you need hit us up you know and like yeah. talking to people project by project basis you know yeah seems like yeah it seems like in in that position a lot of personal outreach would probably be a pretty effective. Yeah. Just reaching out to every musician you know multiple times. You know, ch- checking in with people a lot. Just, you need any recordings or you and just setting up some jams. Recording. You know, yeah. I think that's, that's one of my next steps too is like in this balance of doing live sound and being a musician. I think I also need to use this space as like inviting people to come and just play some music, you know? Yeah. And, like, and see what comes from that, you know? And then, yeah you know people hear that you know you make some simple jams and that's the people here and they'll be like where'd that where'd that come from you know and they think oh i want to go down and do it you know it would be uh yeah yeah and i guess once you have some yeah some material that you've recorded here and make sure you can have uh you know something an example to uh kind of shop around yeah or just so people can hear it yeah nice um well i'm kind of out of stuff to talk about that's we've talked about a lot <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh so i i never know how to end these things uh how should we do this do you, um, do you have anything else you want to say just want to thank everybody for listening and uh reach out let's uh let's talk music yeah this is sean um, howard he's always at farm jam he's always a lot of places <laughs> uh fall city pub now fall city pub sweet uh okay well thanks sean You're welcome um I'll see you later. Later.